Welcome back. This is the second hour of tonight's Truth Jihad Radio. Kevin Barrett here, waging the all-out struggle for truth on the Internet airwaves since 2006. You can support the show by subscribing at Substack, and you can find the link to subscribe by going to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack link. Tonight, we're going to continue the conversation from the first hour about the New World Order. Talk with Dr. E.K. Dudney about the New World Intelligence or newsletter. Now we're going to discuss the various analyses of just what this New World Order is. One of the key figures in raising this issue and researching it is Lyndon LaRouche, who actually brought it pretty close to the political mainstream here in the United States, repeatedly ran for president, had a formidable organization developed, influenced various people. And now Peter Myers, the Australian New World Order researcher, uh, suggested talking and maybe debating and discussing this with Matt Eret, who Peter Myers says is the foremost exponent of the LaRouche viewpoint, which is actually a very high compliment. So I should have them both on the line by now, Peter Myers and Matthew Eret. Peter, are you there? Hello, Peter. Well, maybe we don't have Peter on the line yet. How about uh, Matt? Are you there? Uh, yeah, hi, Kevin. I am indeed here. And okay. that is a very, very nice compliment from Peter. I, I do see him there on the screen, but I don't, or at least I see a picture of him. I don't hear him, though. Okay. Well, his uh, his questions are going to be difficult to answer if we can't hear him. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, Peter, if you can hear us, um, see if you can figure out how to get unmuted or otherwise connect with us so that we can hear you. And if, for some bizarre reason, uh, we're unable to hear Peter and somehow he can't connect with us tonight, which I think is very unlikely, that uh, you can still hear us, Peter, you could always just write us and you could email me the questions for Matt if you want to do it that way or send them through Skype chat or anything like that. But hopefully we'll, we'll get Peter on here pretty soon. Well, I, I can see Peter's face in a video form. I just can't hear anything. And I think that Peter might have maybe uh, a different mic selected. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. So Peter needs to fix his microphone and or unmute. And uh, then we'll be able to get yeah. this underway. Um, and so, yeah, that we're can you told. Hear me now? There we go. Yeah, there you are, Peter. Welcome. Hello, Kevin. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're you're very low volume though. Can you crank up your volume a little bit? Hello, Peter. Hmm. Maybe we should have had Peter go into a a fancy studio uh, <laughs> where they can take care of all this stuff. Um, sounds like maybe there's it's uh, his computer hasn't been properly configured for doing this audio visual stuff. Peter usually does print or typeset. Well, you know, he he writes. Yes, we hear you, but your volume is ridiculously okay. low. Your your volume mm-hmm. is too low. Turn up the volume uh, of your microphone. Yeah, your your volume is is needs to be raised. Hmm. Kevin, your your assistant is saying that uh, a phone number could work too. He, Peter can right. Be called so by Peter, phone. If, Peter, if you can send us your phone number, complete with you know the country code and the whole nine yards, if you can hear us now, and I'll, I'll send Peter a, a chat here too, 
and tell him to okay. make sure he sends us his his phone number because this uh, yeah this volume is is way too low. So send us your phone number with country code, etc. I guess we could figure out what Australia is, but hopefully uh, we'll get Peter's phone number and then we'll be able to hear him. Because frankly, I don't know what points he's going to raise with you, Matt. Um, I wish I could. I'm curious as well. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I know what he, he did say is that he, he said that the, oh, I'm told we can't call Australia. So that's, that's no good. Peter's going to have to figure out how to fix his volume or else we're going to have to take his, his questions by Skype chat. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Peter, we can read your message, Peter. I, I can. I cannot hear. No one can hear you really. So maybe what you can do is is write down. Can you write quickly uh, some of the points, perhaps? Um, right. So I'm telling Peter, we can't hear you. Just send us questions through Skype chat, and then uh, that's it. That, that should work because Peter did say he had these six points or six questions he wanted to raise, and what Peter already told me is that he thinks this Larusian school of thought. Um, portrays a worldwide New World Order conspiracy centered on London, um, talking about the British Empire, but not the American Empire or the Green Left Bankers Empire. The empire is always London-based, centered on the monarchy. And so Peter has prepared six different points contesting that viewpoint. So that's where we're going to start. And Peter says he's going to change computers. So uh, we'll maybe call him back on Skype when he gets on the other computer. And I'll tell him, message us when you are on the other computer and hopefully we'll we'll get that up so so maybe matt you could start by saying you know how important is london and the geography of the center of the new world order like some people would say it's london some would say no they're preparing to rule the world from a rebuilt temple and occupied jerusalem others would say well you know new york and new york dc and even sort of the west coast los angeles have taken over as power centers from london and and the uk was knocked down several pegs uh, during World War II, basically the U.S. defeated uh, Britain in World War II, stole all its gold, stole all its power, and got rid of its empire. So mm. how, what's your argument that that, uh, that London and, and uh, Britain are still really centers of the New World Order? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so, and maybe how I respond might preemptively address one of the official questions that Peter has in his mind. Um, the... Main point, I think, from the present context, I would get at would be the that the British when the British Empire is said um, as a term, it's not really what people tend to think of when they hear the words British Empire. Today, the, the British Commonwealth represents 54 countries, uh, approximately 22 percent of the world's surface area and about a trillion dollars worth of strategic mining interests, about 70 percent of the interests, the mining interests um, of the world. In Africa, I should say, sorry, of Africa are uh, controlled by companies either in the UK or in the Commonwealth. The, um, the, I mean, the point of the, the city of London and the offshore Cayman Islands, which is part of the Commonwealth, British territory under the crown, is one of the biggest drug money laundering centers of the world. Um, that has gone in provably through things like HSBC offshore accounts again throughout the Caribbean over the course of, of the entire 20th century to provide uh, support for covert clandestine operations, including uh, a variety of radical terrorist groups uh, that have received their support through drug money, narco-terrorism as well in Colombia and beyond with the FARCs. 
Um, but this has been just a matter of course since the HSBC as a London bank was created in 1865 uh, to pr- basically support the opium trade after the second opium wars was designed to destroy China, you know, the, the danger of a rising China, uh, which the empire, the British empire had always seen as a major threat. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'm back. Peter. Hey, welcome, Peter. Yeah. I think we can hear you now. Yeah, I'm on another computer. Hey, well, Peter, anyway, I, I, I'm, what, what I'm trying to say is that the rich material does enlighten us, but it also muddies the water because it says there is a single worldwide conspiracy controlled from Britain meaning the Cecil Rhodes movement, the British monarchy, Fabian Society, City of London, and, for example, the uh, November 13, 2020 issue of Executive Intelligence Review has this headline, Defeat the British Coup in the United States, whereas most people would say the empire is now American. It's an American empire, not British. There are 750 American bases around the world, including six American Air Force bases in Britain. There are no British bases in the USA. Cecil Rhodes said he didn't mind if the capital of the Anglosphere crossed the Atlantic to the USA, and if the movement was Republican, not monarchist. There is a Five Eyes Intelligence Network, so there's some truth to a British conspiracy, except that it's American now. But I want to give you some examples of where... Um, have the, postulating a single conspiracy breaks down. So the first one is the two Russian revolutions of 1917. If you say there's only one conspiracy, then the, both revolutions were done by the British, that is, by Lord Milner. I saw an article by Matthew in which he said that Milner supported the Bolsheviks. That's wrong. Milner supported Kerensky. Kerensky was a Freemason, like Milner. Kerensky's whole government were Freemasons. Kerensky held elections for constituent assembly, but the Bolsheviks stopped at meeting. Lockhart, Bruce Lockhart clearly states that, that Milner opposed the Bolsheviks, but he endorsed having unofficial contact with them via Lockhart. The Bolshevik revolution was Illuminist, not British. And um, H.G. Wells is also Illuminist, not British. Uh, and um, if we take another case, Bill Clinton signed up to join the International Criminal Court just before he left office. George W. Bush cancelled the initiative. Now, when you are going for uh, world government by the United Nations, that's Illuminati. That's not British. And at the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, the left pushed for the League of Nations to be a world government with its own army and court. This was not the position of the British government. H.G. Wells put this proposal for the League of Nations, quote, Britain would have had to give up her empire and her navy and become a republic. Every nation in the world would have been admitted and the League would have, in effect, controlled the world's armed forces, end quote. But the position of the Milner Group was... The British government refused to, quote, create a super state capable of overriding national governments in the interest of some general will of all humanity. So there you've got a clear face-off between the Illuminist super state and the British imperial uh, goals. And um, in, in um, Quigley, in um, the Anglo-American establishment, the second last page, he says... Um, 
that uh, it, this was written in, in 1949 and um, there was a Labor government and he said that um, they, uh, the late, um, this, this was not something that the, the Rouge people, uh, sorry, that the, um, that the group, the Milner group, um, it didn't have, okay, it says, the influence of the group in labour circles has always been rather slight. And this is something that the Rouge material muddies. It makes out that the Fabians are in bed with the round table and they never were. They, they had dealings with um, them, but, but they were separate. And um, so there well, was a bit. Do you want to stop and let Matt respond to any of this uh, sort of point by point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to let Peter finish his thought. I, I don't okay, know. Okay, well, I'll just, I'll just do, do a little bit more. There was a British conspiracy. It backed the white Australia policy and the white America policy. But Joe Biden, speaking about immigration, said in a video of February 2015, he said, the wave still continues. It's not going to stop, nor should we want it to stop. As a matter of fact, um, it's one of the things we are most proud of. There is a second thing in that black box, an unrelenting stream of immigration, not non-stop, non-stop. Fewer than 50% of the, of the people uh, then will be white Europeans. That's not a bad thing. That's a sort of our strength. So what I'm arguing is that is not British. It does not come from um, the Rhodes Group. It's illuminous. But the Rhodes, the globalist institutions have been infiltrated by Illuminists. So if you compare that with Cecil Rhodes's will, we are the finest race in the world and and so many others are deplorable, despicable. I mean, and then you look at Antifa and Black Lives Matter, toppling statues of American founding fathers and Rhodes. This is not done by the British, in quotes, but by Trotskyists and anarchists funded by George Soros. It's Illuminati. George Soros is a 33rd degree Freemason. He created the European Council of Foreign Relations. The British didn't create it. Soros did. He's, and, um, and when the woke crowd topples statues of Rhodes, the Economist magazine, which represents Rothschilds, approved. Well, if you look at Weissout, Adam Weissout, he wasn't British. The Kalergi Pran, is not British. The EU is not British. Carl Schwab is not British. Brexit is is in keeping with Rhodes' ideas. But the deep state is illuminist. Rhodes, not... Uh, Rothschild, not Rhodes, calls a tune. You can topple statues of Rhodes, but you can't talk about Rothschild power in public. It's taboo. Then if you look on the High Court of Israel, there's a Masonic pyramid with an all-seeing eye, just like on the back of the US $1 bill. The pyramid is not visible from the street, but you can see it from the tops of surrounding buildings or from light planes. Under the pyramid is a staircase with three three flights of 10 stairs each, making 30. Then there are three levels. Sorry, Peter, are we gonna, are you gonna ask a question? Or, I mean, I, I I, I understand opening remarks are very useful and good, but I'm just just wondering. I'm just putting the case that this, this library is for the use of judges, and there are 33 steps in that. So the judges, the pyramid apparently channels enlightenment down to them. So what I'm saying is, this is illuminist, or it's Masonic anyway, it's not British. And if, if you have a theory that there's only one conspiratorial group, the British, you're confusing everybody because there are at least three. 
there's there's the British, there's Illuminist, and Zion. Okay, uh, so I'll let Matthew reply. Okay. Yeah, I uh, never said that there was one singular um, British group as such. I've written extensively, including in my book, that Britain as uh, a sovereign nation or what, whatever elements of it had sovereign capabilities suffered a major blow when they were taken over by what, uh, you know, you see this in the Rouge literature, but this is something you can study by even reading the writings of Benjamin Disraeli of a Venetian party takeover. In 1688, under the Glorious Revolution, after the, Ven- the Venetians, using the Levant Company and others, had already taken over much of the controls of, of Amsterdam earlier on in 1609, with the Bank of Amsterdam as the world's first central bank, privately owned, uh, that was then you know created as a new model with the Bank of England in 1694. But there was a bit of a, a coup d'etat in opposition to genuinely nationalist forces that wanted to resist converting uh, Britain from being a... Erasmian type of institution that would be promote, would promote the development of humanity, uh, which was a very strong, you know, movement within Britain for a long time, uh, and instead turn it into an empire. Things like the, the, you know, secret societies of the Hellfire Club, different Rosicrucian societies played a very big role, and I never tried to deny the existence of Freemasonic and other secret societies that, uh, are connected directly, have a direct continuity to the ancient uh, Babylonian mystery religions um, that even go back to, you know, Persia and the ancient times that were running cults and sanctioning different types of deities and cults that were also used as intelligence operations in in the ancient world. And that managed things like the Persian marcher lord to carry out uh, dirty works on behalf of the Babylonian priesthood of Marduk, which was, you know, in a sense, a, a very clear, uh, you know, precedent for the more modern Freemasonic operations that sort of evolved out of that institution over the, I mean, centuries. So, I mean, I I always try to make this this continuity of a higher occult Gnostic uh, set of mystery religions and priests uh, known as far as they're beholden to a set of bloodlines, but that the British Empire itself, I never try to say that it is a thing that's tied to the British nation or even that it is represented by the round table as a thing. The round table was created in, you know, through the, the, the funds of Cecil Rhodes, but this is the, the fourth. I mean, I like LaRouche's formulation of this conceptually as the fourth phase of the Roman empire. I thought that was a useful thought device. Um, as far as like a slime mold, uh, you know, of, of a parasitical network and nest of families that as a parasite could only kill the host that they latch onto geographically speaking. And, you know, once that host dies, the parasite doesn't do well either. Societies go into occasional dips and collapses due to these things, dark ages. And you have a sort of reorientation, a, a movement of the slime mold to a new geographic location just to sort of reconstitute itself um, once more. And I think that a lot has been uh, you can account for quite a bit in terms of the developments of positive and negative in human universal history. Um, including, you know, the battles within the British establishment and their their extensions into the colonies that gave birth or gave, gave rise to the uh, the Republican Revolution in 1776 and and many things from that point on. Um, as far as the infighting, I would say between the uh, um, the different factions in the 20th century between the Fabians and the uh, the more 
uh, you know, typically scorched earth, uh, stiff upper lip, British conservative imperialism of, of, you know, a race patriot like a Churchill or a Lord Milner. Um, yeah, you, you had the, uh, the Fabians not really guiding very much in terms of, uh, grand strategy before World War II was over. Um, it was generally the heavy handed approach that we had seen generally uh, used in terms of the funding and you know provisions for things like the uh, the rise of Hitler uh, and what have you by people like you know Lord Halifax, who was a, a roundtable connected figure uh, you know in the cabinet of uh, of the uh, great appeaser. What's his name now? Um, anyway, but. You, you had a, an attempt at a new world order where even Lord Halifax is, is documented as having conversations with Hitler describing how the new world order would be carved up between the Anglo-Americans owning one jurisdiction of the Americas, but, but much of Europe, Britain would control India, uh, you know, Germany would control the heartland, Franco would control much of the, uh, the Spanish territories and Latin American territories, and Africa would be carved up by and by. Uh, that didn't work out. I mean, things blackfire. But there's fights in between, and I, the point that I, I've been making is that there is indeed overlap. You say that they're different. I, I've seen no evidence of that. In fact, the Canadian Fabian Society that was set up in 1931 is provably was set up by five Rhodes Scholars, you know, roundtable Rhodes Trust funded Rhodes Scholars that, that set this thing up, um, mostly eugenicists. In 1931, this became the Co- Cooperative Commonwealth Party in 1932. That was the political branch. Um, and that changed its name to the National Democratic Party in 1960 that Pierre Elliott Trudeau was a, a part of. He was recruited by Harold Lasky in uh, the London School of Economics after being, you know, talent searched uh, by a bunch of Jesuits here in Quebec and sent down to uh, Will- William Yandall Elliott, who ran this sort of Chatham House of Oxford as, as a Rhodes Scholar, in sorry, of, of Harvard. And uh, under Lasky, he was a prodigy and uh, and was reabsorbed into the British Empire system to carry out something that was very bad for Canada and the world, but he was managed and handled by F.R. Scott, a Rhodes Scholar, and Milner and, and Halford Mackinder. I'm sorry, Halford Mackinder came to Canada. I'm, I'm Canadian. Halford Mackinder, a Fabian, you know, uh, gave, gave up his job as director of the London School of Economics because he was offered a job by Lord Milner and paid for completely, well, very, very, uh, a lot of money to come to Canada with Milner and craft a strategy to keep Canada from going independent in the face of, you know, they didn't want to lose their, their monarch, their strategic beachhead as a wedge between a danger of a U- U.S.-Russia collaboration. That was a, something that they wrote down extensively. Can and I just no- reply on, on what you're saying about the, the tie-up? And I quote you, you say, the roundup movement, worked in tandem with the Coefficients Club, the Fabian Society and the Rhodes Trust, all of whom witnessed was moving in and out of each other's ranks. Uh, the historian Carol Quigley wrote of it in the Anglo-American Establishment. Uh, and um, in another place you wrote, as note, noted by Quigley in the Anglo-American Establishment, membership in all three organizations was virtually... No, 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 that, I corrected that one. I, that, was, that was an early draft. Well, okay. I, 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 I think it was you I who wrote to me early on months, I, months and months I, ago, I and I corrected that. I corrected that. Anyway, that last bit about the three... Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying you're bringing up something you, 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 you yeah, wrote yeah, to me anyway, months but, ago, and I corrected it. It's not that much different from what you said in the other place about members moving in and out of each other's ranks. And Quigley does not say that. 
The no, only... I, you sent me that months and months ago, and I corrected yeah, I know, it. But, we had a correspondence I, I, mean, I still find it on the internet uncorrected. Anyway, it, the point that's I'm because it went viral. I corrected what I could, but internet yeah, well, email right, or websites pick things up. Like you're you're record, taking things dishonestly out of out of look context. Look at the American establishment. The only he, do, he doesn't talk about um, coefficients uh, except on pages one hundred and thirty-seven or eight. Says Peter, wait a minute. Says man, you're you're taking yeah, something wait, we wait, talked wait, about wait, like wait, nine wait, months wait, ago wait, out of email. I corrected it. I made an Marie, error, I apologize. Anyway, I corrected what I could, and now you're bringing it I, I back. I do need to correct this because it's gone out in a lot of your literature. Peter, it's, what are you doing, man? Mil- like, I, Milner, quickly like, says, so Milner attended the... Just, like, say the now, like, yes, I agree that I, I made an error in that particular sentence. It does not say... Well, yeah, hang, hang on for a second. Peter, Peter, slow down for a second. I think Matt is raising a really good point that nine months ago you corrected him, he corrected his article... And yeah, unfortunately, Matt doesn't have a way of, of convincing the National print. Security Agency to scrub all earlier versions of his article from the Internet. They continue to circulate. Yeah, no, 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 I checked it in anyway, anyway, now, there's another place where Matthew writes. He says, notable coefficients who, who also uh, were Fabians, Lord Alfred Milner, Sir Arthur Balfour, Lord Robert Cecil, Lord Bertrand Russell, H.G. Wells, Leo S. Amory and Sir Edward Gray. But Milner was never a member of the Fabian Society, nor was Balfour, nor was Cecil, nor Gray. Matthew is mixing up the Fabian Society and the Coefficient uh, Club. They weren't the same. And Milner... I, I don't recall... Look, I, okay. that is a quote... What, when I, what I just said about the, the it's, overlap... It's an article which, called The Origins of the Deep State in North America, Part 1, okay. The Round Table Movement, and I found it on the internet just recently. Did, I mean, did, I, say that, did I say that Milner was a member of the Fabian Society? He, that's what it says there. In, he put note 15 in your article called The Origins of the Deep State in North America, Part 1. So, anyway... Um, uh, uh, you so say you you make, it, it's a mistake to, to 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 be you know make put those um, okay, incorrect. If there, if there were some members of a roster that were in a footnote that I made an error of that I was sorry. But the point I, is something that is on the internet, and okay. I hadn't even seen that. Uh, before, that really it, is. You're, you're, I think you're trying to mix up some details of particulars with general broader principles you're here. You're proposing that the like, these different movements. Uh, Roundtable, Fabians. Which, foot, which footnote is it? Which, foot, which footnote that is, is it? I'm, I'm, I'm in the article. Point. They call it all the British. So what I'm saying is, you've got another movement called Illuminati, and Fabians may be Illuminati, but they're, but they're not part of the Roundtable. They, the, the Illuminati comes from, um, from Germany, from Weissart, uh, and and uh, there are others. Uh, it comes from uh, Bunarotti during the French Revolution, Babur, um, and and uh, various revolutionary leaders, Blanqui, uh in the 19th century, and then uh, Lenin and, Look, and Trotsky. Um, they are Illuminati, and so is H.G. Wells, not British. He doesn't belong. Lenin, Lenin I, look, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Lenin and all, but you're throwing out a lot of names here, saying he was Illuminati. Yeah, how, did, how did you prove that he was Illuminati? You're throwing, you're throwing out a bunch of names in a roaster. The Rouge huh? literature denies that there's such a thing as the Illuminati conspiracy. Peter, could you respond to Matthew, what Matthew said? He, he asked for evidence that Lenin was a member of the Illuminati. 
Okay, all right. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm quoting uh, from, um, I've got three books that I've been using on this. One by Harold J. Lasky. One is by James H. Billington. That's the main one called Fire in the Minds of Men. And the other one is a paper by Arthur Lering, L-E-H-N-I-N-G. And, um, and then so, for example, Lasky says that, um, the, 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 during the French Revolution, you have Babeuf's conspiracy, Gratius Babeuf. And his, his conspiracy were the Society of the Pantheon. And they were known as Babeusts. And uh, Lasky says they were the first to advocate that communist rule should operate as a dictatorship. And quote, Lasky says, when the political state had been captured, a period of rigorous dictatorship would be necessary as the prelude to communist democracy. The people are not yet fit to be entrusted. And uh, and then and then Lasky goes on to say, Lenin, so to say, is the verse writ writ large. That's on page. Um, uh, 99 of um, uh, his book. And, I'm sorry, is it, how, how does that prove Lenin was Illuminati? Okay, well, look, I mean, as I said, you've got three. Um, th- and now, the other one is, Brunner, is um, James H. Billington's Fire in the Minds of Men. And, um, and, uh, and he also uh, finds uh, Lenin's movement using Bunarotti's um, transmission of the uh, Illuminati methods uh, through the 19th century. He says, uh, Bunarotti sought to work through existing Masonic lodges to recruit for them, influence them, use them in a cover. And then he says, uh, 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 Bunarotti's organisational plan, quote, was simply lifted from the Bavarian order of Illuminists. This um, radical and secular occultist movement was organised on three levels as a secret society, church, synod, and Areopagite. Um, and uh, so... So, like, what, what is the signature character of okay, uh, an Illuminati other, uh, method the that you're saying? It's is Arthur Lehring. And he studied the secret society, which... Like, like, like I'm just asking here, like, because he's saying that yeah, the look, basis I'll of his evidence is that... From, from 1797 to 1837, and I quote, the essential character of Brunerotti's secret society was that certain aspects of the organisation of the leadership, the methods and the ultimate aims were only known to some of the members belong to the most inner circle of the society. In other words, the essence of a secret society defined by Adam Weishaupt. So this is what Brunerotti organised during the 19th century and then... Uh, uh, it continued to Lenin. A- and, um, Can so. Can I ask you uh, a question? Yeah. Uh, how do you differentiate, um, there's a variety of different lodges, Masonic operations, so how do you differentiate, let's say, a um, Scottish Rite, 33rd degree uh, lodge system versus um, a, an Illuminati uh, system? Or do you, do you not differentiate, or, or is there overlap? How well, do you think about well, that? In, in, um, in, uh, in France, there was the. Uh, I've got some more information on this here. Uh, the uh, the there was the Philadelphs, where the, uh, the I mean there were, there were different Masonic groups. Like 
Under Napoleon III, for example, Napoleon III was a Freemason. He had been a Carbonari, but he kept the Freemasons uh, under a tight control. Um, but there was another conspiratorial secret Freemasonry that was still existing, you know, because Napoleon III came between the revolution of 1848 and the Paris Commune of, of 1871, and uh, he, he put an end to the revolutionary movement. You're talking about Napoleon, Napoleon the, the third, the third right Yeah, now. Napoleon the third, yeah. And, um, yeah. but, uh, uh, so there, there was a, a group called the, uh, the Philadelphs, and, uh, and that's, that was where the Bunarotis, uh, people were organizing the Lodge of the Phil- Philadelphians. And, um, so that is where, uh, and Louis Blanc, for example, was involved in that, but most, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, my, my uh, question was just, my, my question is more simple. I mean, you're making it more complex. Yeah, it was well, just, you, see, you, you differentiate a difference between, yeah, like, other Freemasonic organizations or Illuminati. How do you think, because different people think about it differently, so I just want you to succinctly put it into words, how you're thinking about it, you know? Like, without going, you don't have to go into a lot of extrapolation, I just really... All right, but, 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 um, anyway, I have really given, uh, uh, now, because one of the things they do is they look at the goals. You see, what they found is that um, that that some these movements often have different levels. So you've got an entry level, like your local Blue Lodge of the Freemasonry, and they don't tell them anything about overthrowing the system. So most people who join these organisations are at the lower levels, and they're not conspiratorial at all. And um, and then that. That, uh, what was typical in these movements in the mid 19th century was that there were, there were three levels and, um, and you, it, you got invited to go, uh, to the highest levels, uh, and lower people didn't even know about them. And, and, um, so, and, and when you look at the goals, the goals of overthrowing, uh, all the established order, these, these were expressed in in the in the highest levels, and that's how they know that they were following the Weishaupt tradition. So I've got a lot of this information. So, yeah, uh, look, I mean, so are you just saying like any time there's a color revolution of any sort? Because no, 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 many no, of these, it's specific, always like this is, Illuminati this is located in the 19th century, uh, and. Um, uh, so I mean, we had color revolutions before that too that fit that that MMO, right? I mean, you know, the, the use of uh, you see, artificial. You see, your color revolutions are something that the, the British, in quotes, do. Sure, and you're coming back to the LaRouche view that the. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not even talking about necessarily. There's only one conspiratorial movement, and that's the British. And what I have given no, it's, you, it's, I, it's literally. It's quite, there was another. I, I, there was another conspiratorial movement throughout the 19th century, which was Illuminist. It's not the British, although it's true. I never said it was. I never said it was the British Empire as a conventional nation or something. I'm saying it's the same bloodlines that utilize the same secret societal methods going back for a very long time. That you know, go back to ancient Babylon and Rome. I'm, I'm not saying it's the British that just you know. As a you know British nation full of racists want to impose their will on the on the masses, I've never said that, or I've always maintained it's it's a series of bloodlines, and I believe Larouche has too, going back to his early writings in the 70s, as far as I I've read. Uh, there's a continuity of bloodlines utilizing secret societies interconnected at the top um, that have the you know that occupy. 
by things like the black nobility, the old families of Europe today around which uh, a massive global shadow government is based that has penetrations into uh, every part of the world. How do you explain the the uh, Antipa and Black Lives Matters toppling statues of Rhodes? Are you saying the Rhodes movement is behind that? I'm saying Rhodes was always a puppet. He was kind of like a George Soros character. His money no, was Rhodes, useful, but Rhodes he himself was not a director of anything. He was, he was recruited by a young, a young romantic idiot racist so you, you uh, by, really by, by John Ruskin's lectures in, in Oxford, man. And, the, and the you know, the racist is the British are the ones there. behind everything. And they don't accept that Soros is Illuminati. Well, how did you prove? I, you never proved to me, first of all, that Lenin was Illuminati, and I'm asking you, I'll ask you now, uh, how, does, how, do you, how did you prove that Soros is Illuminati? Movements, these I mean, movements I, are secret movements, and I, I, there are some big Everybody who's doing things that are secret are all Illuminati. Yeah, yeah, Peter, could, could I uh, throw in a cu- my two cents here? Um, it, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is that any group that tries to overthrow the established order and maintain secrecy while doing so, you're calling Illuminati as if they were part of the same movement. However, in every society that's ever been known, from the most primitive society down enough, there are always challenges that. to the established order, I, I and they always have that. to maintain because secrecy. So well, I don't why, understand what you mean by Illuminati. Weishaupt's goals were the destruction of religions, the destruction of nation-states, the destruction of the family, and one world. Groups that operate with, with those goals can be reasonably considered uh, Illuminati okay. uh, or Illuminist or at okay. least fellow travelers. Right. Well, now, I want to tell you that when you've got, when you've got yeah, Peter, could you give Matt, give Matt a chance to talk because you're kind of monopolizing well, the I time. Uh, I think he wants to respond. Question. How does he explain the toppling of the Rhodes statue? Do you say the Rhodes movement supported that? I mean, yeah, I'm saying that Rhodes himself was a cardboard cutout used like George Soros is a cardboard cutout with Rothschild money that was given to him to create quantum quantum management, the first hedge fund in 1968 after he got his training in the London School of Economics under, uh, you know, the Open Society uh, founder himself, you know. Uh, so you're you're dealing with something which is cardboard cutouts that are ultimately useful for a period. And when they're not when something higher is more useful, they're going to flush it. Um, in this particular case, like Soros could be flushed if, if something higher was going to be more useful, that he well, would be Soros flushed. Soros is about at the top. Um, same thing for Rhodes. You know, like Rhodes is useful, but he was disposable, as but all no, these the cutters are. The point is, the point is that Rhodes statue. If they, if they want a Black Lives Matter, you know, like chaos operation to dilute and destroy and undermine nation states, uh, utilizing critical race theory, and and that you know. And that involves some of the some of the, the the puppets that they liked and that they used in 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 time to be also torn down, like Al, you know Albert Pike statue in Washington. If that's torn down along the way, even though he's the well, founder of the other KKK, they didn't tear down the statue. They didn't tear down. No, it was taken down. It was taken down by the government. I see. Yes, of course. But it was there was definitely a lot of Black Lives Matter hullabaloo about it being. A racist thing that had to go, and the the government happily obliged by taking it down and putting it in some basement. Um, Fair enough. There's a Rhodes. There's a British conspiracy, and that supported white Australia and white America. It doesn't just support the dismantling of it. That's Illuminati. When you see that the the statues being toppling over, that is not coming from from Cecil Rhodes. It's coming from Weishaupt and 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 the communist movement, and 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 Soros is funding it. 
Well, before there was Weisskopf, the, 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 the attack on nation states and the, the family unit and all, and all of that, the, the love of God, was already uh, a, a target by figures before even Weisskopf. You're acting like this all came out of Weisskopf. And it's wait like, minute, no, this has been an, an extracting this stuff. has been an agenda had, of, uh, of oligarchs for a long time. Christian societies in the 1950s. It's only the open conspiracy came to uh, fruition in the 1960s with the Beatles and the anti-war movement and so on. That's where we we had this destruction beginning. And then, but before that, I mean, the the Rhodes movement that was there, say, up to the 1950s, that was not into open borders, immigration, or destroying our culture and religion. You're denying that there's another mm, movement, and the other movement is... No, I'm not. just... No, there, there's, first of all, a major overlap of functions between Fabians and, and Rhodes Scholars throughout the 20th exactly. century, especially the Cold War, but I'm saying that the long game, when the uh, the League of Nations failed and the Hitler Project failed for new, creating a new world order of one world government back then, a long game was decided upon, which was the Fabian Society, you know, the delayer method... Of creating a multi-generational approach, and at that point, the Open Society blueprint became utilized to bring in a more slow kill under a nuclear uh, situation. Because the Fabian Society is British, but you're ignoring, say, um, it's not really British because they're also intent on killing a lot of Brits too. You know, like it's not really a British thing, huh? The Fabian Society isn't really British. It's not a functionally British thing in the sense that that's not British. What? I'm saying that there are Klaus, secret societies Klaus. that utilize the old nobility, including Count uh, Kudenhoff von Kalergi. Uh, you know, Bakunin was a part of that as a financier. The Rothschilds were, were a financial part backer of the pan-European movement that you're talking about um, to create a benign feudalism in 1922. Well, uh, Otto von Habsburg Klaus. later on, the uh, the heir of the Habsburg dynasty, became the head of that thing for 40 years. And Klaus Schwab is uh, not um, British. I'm saying that these are the old families. It's 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 a family yeah. bloodline system. You're, it's not you're British. Just, you're you're you're, you're treating me as if I'm I'm maintaining something that I'm not, and I never have. You're denying that there's another another group of people, the Illuminati, the communist movement, which are outside the British fold, because this is the Larouche line. That there is only you one actually like study the works that you're trying to refute sufficiently because you're you're very confused in the thing that you think you're refuting. It's not it. I mean, you're you're using words that don't mean what they're what they mean. Like it's LaRouche has never maintained that the Brit- fake society is a specific British thing. They want to destroy the British people and the British na- nation state. They want to undermine that. There have been decent prime ministers of Britain over time who even got ousted. Um, including the guy who followed Churchill in, in 1945, um, who actually spoke out against this sort of rot within the heart of the empire in the city of London. Uh, it's not British in that sense. So it's, I, it's, it's a higher function of bloodlines that are interconnected, utilizing well, the networks and intelligence agencies. That's just, huh? that's just new age gobbledygook. I mean, you know, well, basically, skills. you have got you have got a British conspiracy, and you can see that with the Five Eyes Intelligence Network. But the the globalist movement is it's uh, the the American part is 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 independent of the British part. It's certainly not run from Britain, and it's it's largely Illuminist. 
and um, or you could say that the globalist institutions have been infiltrated by Illuminists. But one way or another, that's why they're tearing down the road statues. That's why. Well, do you think got- that the, the Americans have benefited by the policy of, of uh, the American Empire post 1950 or 1945? Do you think that the Americans, the American nation, has actually benefited or, or lost by virtue of its imperial ambitions and, and actions? Well. Uh, it, I, I have to ask Americans about that. I, I can't. But um, I think ask that, Americans. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you that, if you ask them. They'll say like, is, "Is life more shit Just now and more fragile?" And, and you know, to to than it was like I mean, a, a couple of decades ago. They'll they say, got, "Yeah." They got drawn into the Cold War. I mean, it's not as if um, uh, there was no threat. There was a threat from Stalinism, and and. Um, I know in your side, you, you ignore things like that. Har- you praise Harry Dexter White, who was a, a Soviet spy, and you, pra- and you praise Harry Hopkins, who oh, transferred yeah. nuclear materials to the Soviet Union. Uh, you deny the Ukraine famine. You deny the, the, um, the Uyghur uh, uh, persecution. I mean, you, I mean, the incredible thing is that Luna LaRouche started out Have as a Trotskyist. Have you read Harry Dexter White at all, or like, how did you come to discover that now, he was a, this uh, bad Soviet so spy? You're denying, that he's, you're denying he's a communist, a communist spy. He, I believe he was exposed in the in the Verona transcripts. Anyway, but the point I'm getting uh, at is well, I'll tell you that there's a Council on Foreign Relations-run propaganda campaign. The second he died, to paint him that actually even before he died, but all of this. This narrative was cooked up in the bowels of the British Roundtable movement in, in, in the United States called the CFR, uh, which has been funding all of this narrative for since the second he Look, died in you, 1948. And, and you say the same like, about the Ukraine. Maybe that's why you got a blind spot because you're utilizing their material, including the, the Holodomor myth, which, yeah, I'm sorry, that was <laughs> Lord Milner's assistant who was deployed uh, – I mean, my God, dude, you're throwing so a lot you're, of you're, you're out there. Yeah, Holodomor was not a, a conscious genocide by Stalin. That's been very well documented, not no, only by Grobovich, but not many, not many scholars. That it was a conscious genocide. I mean, that is something. No, there was, there was a massive famine across all of Eastern Europe at the time. And no, yeah, no, no. there was a it lot of people who died by famine. to do with the collectivization that was enforced. And and um and the and dispossessing of the pe- the peasants that was a, that and was a, you know and and, and it was suppressed like myth, dude. I've I've written about I've, that. There I documented the case of the, the Albert, Albert professor recently got uh, who got fired for simply publishing I mean, material demonstrating that are, the Jewish material supposedly comes across as Christian, but you end up at, at defending the Stalinist communist uh, government and then. This, the, the totalitarian government of China right now. I mean, the question is, who funds your LaRouche literature? You haven't got many buyers. I'm just going to like accusation of emotional state here. Like, if you want to have a doc, I've spoken with Kevin Barrett on this show uh, in the past about the fraud of the uh, Chinese genocide that uh, the neoconservative movement has been trying to cook up, saying that they're doing this against the Uyghurs. Uh, that's probably not true. Um, we've talked about that. I've published a lot about that. There's a lot out there, um, but you're going on a motion and you're not wanting to really talk about it. So at this point, I you're just going into a McCarthy I'm who's funding you. It's like a red scary thing. Like, I, I mean, it's not very And I'm wondering who's funding it these days. Dude, 
Who's yeah, funding? You're, you're taking it from, from, uh, from Joe, Joe McCarthy here. Like, who's funding you? I've got names. Well, that, 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 sounds, that sounds like the latest uh, Homeland Security stuff here in the United States, claiming that political dissidents are being funded by foreign governments. In particular, right now, they're looking for people supposedly connected with Russia. Um, and with the Ukraine situation as fragile as it is, I think that's that's been the focus. Uh, but I, I think we should get away from that. Uh, because the fact is that political dissidents come to all sorts of different conclusions and views about these various issues. People of good faith can think that the uh, persecution of the Uyghurs has been grossly exaggerated, or uh, they can also think that it's pretty horrific, even if it has been grossly exaggerated, which is my position. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm being funded either by pro-China or you know anti-China lobbies. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's better to relax and just listen to the uh, arguments on, on both sides. No, no, but there, is, there is one final point I want to raise, and that is question, was Lyndon LaRouche a Freemason? There is a book called Star, Scarlet and the Beast by John Daniel that says that he was. And volume one of that book cites Helgazette LaRouche in a number of places, and on page 696, footnote 82, says, quote, Personal interviews with the Lyndon LaRouche campaign over a, a period of six years. And then the next footnote, footnote 83 says, Personal interviews with the Lyndon LaRouche campaign. LaRouche is a Grand Orient Freemason who claims there are good Masons and bad Masons. Ben Franklin was a good Mason, says LaRouche. LaRouche also recognises both Freemasonry and says that the French style is good and the British wicked. He's bent on the destruction of English Freemasonry. Now, uh, that, where, that, that, where, you probably never heard that. Who before. said that LaRouche was a Grand Orient Freemason? It says that, that. Where did it, you read it's that? It's in a book called Scarlet and the Beast by, by John Daniel, who says he, okay. he had, he did personal interviews with the LaRouche campaign over a period of six years. And, okay. and, um, says, and he just said LaRouche it. is he a Grand Orient like, Freemason. There, there's a guy in the State Department called Ned Price. Uh, who recently had all of this evidence that the U.S. military knows that that Putin is about to la- launch a false flag in Ukraine to have an excuse to invade. And uh, a, a reporter simply asked him, how do you know that? And he's like, well, I just said it. The evidence is that we, we just said it. And he's like, but you didn't just give evidence. You just said it. Um, and it went on for about five minutes. It was pretty funny. Yeah. But well, by uh, asking the question, how did you know, it became a circular type of logic. Well, because he yeah, said yeah. it, well, that's I mean, not evidence. Not that's simply somebody that saying it. And you can pay anybody to publish anything to say anything and but, then but, use that in a court case as evidence. But, but it's not. No, they I just said but this it. isn't that's a court case. This isn't a court No, but, I, but I'm but, saying you could – I'm giving that as an example. You could use it in any argument or anything. In, in well, in, in this case, but, Peter, I, I'd like to ask you, Peter, uh, this footnote that you're referring to, from what you read, it doesn't sound like the author supplied any sort of specific description of what information convinced him well, that the worst was a Freemason. This book alleges that there's been a conflict over, over a long time between English Freemasonry and French Freemasonry. Right, French, right, what's the specific... But uh, just, let me finish, just let me finish this sentence. The French being Grand Orient. And if you look at the two Russian revolutions of 1917, what they seem to be saying is that the February Revolution was, was Masonic and, and Lord Milner gave the green light to it. Um, uh, uh, and that would have been English Freemasonry, or at least allied. And then the Bolsheviks 
were were connected to Grand Orient Freemasonry. They did actually ban Freemasonry, I believe, about 1922, but that was more or less the the Kerensky coin, because for some some inexplicable reason, Stalin went to a lot of trouble to portray himself in in Masonic uh, using the Masonic hand sign, hand in your coat, and he had two statues cast of himself doing that. And uh, also, there's a video sh- showing is, him. Is do, that your? I, I looked at that on your website. Is that your only evidence that Stalin was a, a Freemason that he put his well, hand in his a, coat? Because I got to tell you, I I put my hand in my coat too. Um, it's, it's does that mean that, it's not I've only done that. that. It's it's the grave of his mother at Odessa. It has a headdress on it that people thought and and, and uh, garments. People said that that's Jewish. And then someone else said, well, no, it looks like it could be Masonic. It must be Masonic, not Jewish. But his own mother's grave is to, is cast in that way. And yet it's also on my website. I mean, it's, it's very puzzling and tantalizing because, and not only that, you might have seen, I, I put a video of Xi Jinping making a, a flashing of a sonic hand sign in Xinhua video at the, uh, at the, at the, uh, Wuhan Military guy. Yeah, this stuff. I've watched that video, and that that stuff can make you go crazy. He spends half a second yeah, fixing his real. jacket, I mean, and now you're saying that that's evidence Fauci. for somebody being Anthony an Illuminati. Fauci. Like, dude, come on, you got to be more rigorous than this. That's you're not, gonna go. That's not something nuts. that's made up. You can every see time you see somebody like fixing their jacket, you're gonna be like, "That's a Freemason." This yeah, is not. You're gonna you're really your 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 mind is gonna turn to jelly if you think that way. You're gonna look. Every time you see a triangle, you're gonna start freaking out. Why should we ignore things <laughs> like that? I mean, these oh, people boy. were very de- deliberate in making those hand signs. Who they are for, we don't know. What the meaning is, we don't know. But obviously, there's some meaning. They were they were intending that to to some people high up around the world to show something. We don't know what. But I, th- I think I think you have to see do you know more than cite a couple of photos of people with uh, this or that. But, but uh, these are not photos. These are videos. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, not it's a really it's it's a half second video of him fixing his jacket while he's like walking yeah, <laughs> out of a mean, door. Like, I mean, come yeah, on, man. Deliberate. What are you going to say? Well, I mean, if, I, if, I, if I'm being filmed, I guess I'm going to be very careful not to put my hand in my jacket. Yeah, I don't like, yeah, be facetious because you I mean, do. Yeah, I mean, there's, no, nothing, no there's, nothing, there's nothing fake about these. These are these are quite clearly the same sort of hand sign. And they're both in video, and there's a video of Stalin doing it too. We don't know what the meaning is, but why should we turn our, our eyes to, away from that? There's we something should do, do more research to see what, what kind of supporting evidence there is. And again, you didn't you didn't really uh, explain specifically what it was about the from the footnotes that alleged us uh, Freemasonry uh, regarding Lenin LaRouche. Um, what we need to know is precisely who said what when to support that allegation, and the footnote you read didn't have anything remotely like that. That's true. That, but, but, yeah, uh, like, this, give me, but, show me a picture of LaRouche with a, with a Freemasonic apron on or something. I mean, like, a, you know, like. Began, <laughs> began as a Trotskyist, and then he, 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 yeah, he learned. He, he, he made errors and talked about how he learned that he was wrong and fixed it and changed it. That's what humans do when we discover on a wrong hypothesis. He was a fan. I rode a bus with the Trotskyists uh, all the way across the country once, and I'll never do it again. There you go. I learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and I would learned. advise people not to make the mistake I did. 
<laughs> it was excruciating. <laughs> Listening to the darn Trotsky, it's all the way to Washington, D.C. Oh, my good, from Wisconsin they're to Washington, D.C. They're, they're intense. I think we've hit the end of this very uh, fiery and interesting debate and from two, you know, two very erudite people, and both you guys are well-read on this topic, and I'm really uh, impressed by that. So thank you so much, uh, Matthew Errett and Peter Myers. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Maybe we'll have to do round two sometime. Okay, thanks. Cheers. Okay, take care, Matt. Take care, Peter. See you next time. This is Kevin Barrett, Ruchi Hanzito. Thanks. 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 Thanks.